Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KYW Original Podcasts. Ray Dittinger, it's week 13 of the NFL season. The Eagles are 3-7-1. and The Packers are 8-3. and They are obviously heavy favorites at Lambeau Field. And the last time that the Eagles lost four in a row was 2016. Doug Peterson's first season as Eagles head coach. So they're going to obviously try to avoid that this weekend. Let's start with some storylines. And there is a report in the Philadelphia Inquirer by Jeff McClain that I would like to get your thoughts on. According to Jeff McClain, Doug Peterson's play calling, he's recently had quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator Press Taylor call some plays. Senior offensive assistant Rich Scangarello has apparently been calling two-minute situations since the beginning of the season. And this report also says that Doug could have Press Taylor call more plays beginning Sunday in Green Bay. What's your reaction to this report about Doug's play calling? I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, Doug sort of addressed, sort of hinted around that uh, he was open to the possibility uh, just this past week, and I fully understand it. When a team is as as inept and bogged down as the Eagles offense has been now for a while, really for the whole season, uh, yeah, I mean, you got you got to do something different. Uh, and uh, it's it's not that uncommon in pro football. I mean, we've seen it, uh, you know, part of the reason that Doug Peterson got a chance to be a head coach was uh, when he was the offensive coordinator out in Kansas City. One year, the Kansas City Chiefs offense just went off the rails, and uh, they lost like five games in a row. And uh, and Andy, and, and nobody loves calling plays more than Andy Reid, but Andy handed the play calling off to Doug, and Chiefs Chiefs won 11 games in a row, <laughs> and uh, uh, and, it, and it turned out to be one of the things that helped turn their season around. And that was one of the things that helped uh, make Doug Peterson uh, head coach because uh, he Andy gave Doug the credit, and uh, then one not long after that, the Eagles decided he was a viable head coaching candidate. So, um, I mean, Jim Fossil did it with the Giants, handed off to Sean Payton, and Sean Payton, when he became a head coach, handed off to Pete Carmichael. Uh, and we've seen it before. Andy did it another time, too, with Matt Nagy. I mean, he, another year things weren't going well, and Andy let Matt Nagy uh, call the plays, and the team turned around, and they started to win, and Matt Nagy became a head coach. So this this happens. Uh, you know, all it takes is a coach kind of recognizing that, look, things aren't going very well right now. Um, let's uh, let's just get a fresh approach here. Let's get a fresh a fresh voice. Uh, and, you know, and very often it works. It doesn't always work. There's no guarantee. I mean, you have to have players, too. But uh, coaches have seen it work, and Doug's seen it work. So I'm not all that surprised um, because anybody who's watched the Eagles at all this year has seen where their offense is. I mean, they're stuck in a ditch right now. And um, any change is probably a welcome change. So how much 
How much play calling duties do you think that Doug Peterson should assume right now, starting with this game in Green Bay? Uh, if I were him, I would hand it all off. Um, you know, I, I think trying to do it piecemeal, I think, is only confusing. If you if you decide you're going to make if if you want to hand off the play calling, then hand off the play calling. If it's one of these deals, well, you you call the two minute offense. You call it when we're on our side of the field. You call it in the red zone. I'll call the rest of the time. I think that, to me, lends, lends itself to just more confusion. Uh, if a head coach feels like he should let somebody else call the plays, he should let somebody else call the plays. Uh, because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, how much worse could it be than what they are right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I honestly think, and all the coaches uh, and the, some of the head coaches I've mentioned in the past, uh, that have done this have actually said that it was it was beneficial for them because what it allowed them to do was sort of take a step back and uh, and and just see the bigger picture you know to stand on the sidelines and and be and be truly the head coach be the head coach of the year you know you're not just calling plays for the offense now now you're you have oversight on the defense you can have a better idea what's happening on special teams you can function as a true head coach if you if you let somebody else call the plays uh, and all of those coaches along the line have all said, you know, in the long run, it was really a good thing. Because otherwise, when I'm the play caller, all I'm doing is I'm just staring at my play sheet trying to figure out what my next play is. And the other two-thirds of the team are kind of getting away from me. When If I just hand off the play calling, I can just stand there and I can just coach the whole game. I actually think it makes a lot of sense. So if Doug's really thinking that a fresh voice on offense and play calling is a good way to go, then I think hand the whole thing off and uh, and just step aside because right now um, this team desperately needs some new direction and uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes but I mean they can't offensively they almost can't get worse than what they've been to this point right when you've watched tape this week or this week um, how much of Carson Wentz's struggles are at this point are on him. And how much of it is on everything around him, uh, a lack of playmakers, offensive line, and things like that? I think that's where it starts. Uh, you know, Carson is, uh, you know, some of this uh, is on him, for sure. I mean, there are times when, uh, I mean, there are just throws that he has to make that he's not making. Um, there are easy plays that are there to be made, and he's not making them. Um, if you get a receiver, if you know, Greg Ward is open, 10 yards down the field and you miss him, you throw it at his feet or you throw it over his head. Well, that's on you. But, uh, I think that I'm not, I don't want to try to absolve him from everything by saying this. Um, but I think it's more a function of what's happening or not happening around him. Uh, the play of the offensive line, which has been poor all season, uh, and the lack of a running game or the commitment to a running game, which gets back to the play calling. Uh, I think this is a team that can run the ball but they choose not to run the ball. I think if they, if they called more running plays and they got Miles Sanders more involved in the offense, it would take some of the pressure off Carson Wentz, but they don't seem willing to commit to that. Uh, and the other part of it is just a group of receivers here that, that uh, are inexperienced to a large degree uh, and haven't really earned the quarterback's trust. Uh, you know, and so you, if you put yourself in Carson Wentz's shoes, uh, he's playing behind an offensive line where he doesn't really trust his protection nor should he, given what it's been all year. Uh, and he doesn't really trust his receivers running the right routes or being where they're supposed to be when he throws the ball. I mean, the interception, the one interception he threw in the Seattle game that really kind of finished the game, 
uh, was the Dallas Goddard route that, I mean, it looks like a terrible interception when you see how, who's he throwing to? Well, he was throwing to Goddard and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Wentz's mistake. I mean, he was throwing the ball to where Goddard was supposed to be, but he wasn't. And that's ha- That's not the first time that's happened. And it's happened with all these receivers. So I think that, yes, Wentz has had a terrible year, and there's no quarterback in the league really that's played worse than he has to this point. But it's not all about him. And one thing in football is that the quarterback can only really play as well as the people around him. And I think we've all seen that the people around him haven't played well at all. All right, uh, Ray, Green Bay, how challenging are the Packers? Very. Um, they're 8-3 and three for a reason. Um, they've got Aaron Rodgers, who's probably playing as good as he's played in his whole career. And it's been a great career, but he's, uh, he's taken it to a whole nother level this year. He's really, uh, he's really gotten comfortable in uh, the Matt LaFleur offense. I don't think that was necessarily true last year, but it certainly is true this year. Uh, and you have a receiver on that team who's, who's almost as good and maybe better, uh, than DK Metcalf and that's Devontae Adams. He's a different kind of receiver. I mean, he's not as big and he's not as physical uh, as uh, as DK Metcalf, but he's really good uh, and he's been really good for a long time. Since 2016, no receiver in the NFL has caught more touchdown passes than Devontae Adams. I don't know that people really fully appreciate just how good this guy is. Uh, he's already got 74 catches. He's right up at 1,000 yards already. He's got 11 touchdowns this year, which is more touchdown catches than all the Eagles wide receivers put together. Wow. So those two guys together are very formidable. They have great chemistry. Uh, I talked earlier about the fact that Carson Wentz doesn't trust his receivers with good cause, but that's not the case in Green Bay. I mean, the real strength of their offense is, is the real trust that exists between Rodgers and Adams. When, when Rodgers needs to play, when Rodgers needs to convert a third down, uh, when they need to bring, when they need in a two-minute situation, get the ball down the field, he's looking for Devontae Adams on every play because he knows he will get open and he's going to catch the ball. And they've got Aaron Jones, uh, and they've got Aaron Jones, who's a really good running back, who's averaging almost five yards a carry and catches the ball well out of the backfield. So they're good. I mean, they're good on offense. They're, they're not that great on defense, to be honest. They're giving up. They're allowing an average of almost 26 points a game which is the worst for the Packers in seven years. Um, the defense is not terrific. Uh, if you, you can move the ball on them. You can score on them, and they don't take the ball away a whole lot. Hmm. Uh, so if the Eagles, I mean, there's an opportunity there for the offense to do some things, but right now the offense is in such a sorry state, I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of that. You know, the one, if you're, if you, if you're an Eagles fan and you want to try and, and be a little optimistic about a game in Lambeau on Sunday, you can go to the fact that the, that, the Packers have have had a pretty soft schedule to this point. Uh, they're eight and three, which is good, um, but they've only beaten one team with a winning record, and that was New Orleans. Uh, so maybe eight and three is a little inflated. But when you get when you know you got to look at the other side, and you got to take a practical view of it. And you know they got Aaron Rodgers, who right now leads the league in touchdown passes, and they got Devontae Adams, who's playing as good as any receiver in football. So this is going to be a chore. I mean, it's never been easy for the Eagles to go to Lambeau and win. History tells you that going all the way, all the way back, um, and I don't expect this is going to be any easier. If the Eagles are going to, if the Eagles for the Eagles to go to Lambeau and come out with a victory, they're going to have to play their best game of the year. And right now, I just don't know if they're capable of that. What are the key matchups? The 
key matchup is probably going to be Darius Slay uh, on on Devontae Adams. I think that's probably it. And uh, I would think that uh, Jim Schwartz is not going to change. I mean, we saw what happened Monday. I mean, he put Darius Slay pretty much man for man on, on DK Metcalf, and Metcalf took over the game. And, you know, when it was over, Darius Slay said, that's the worst game I ever played. And I give him credit. I mean, he, he certainly took ownership of that game, and he blamed himself. Um, but guess what? He's going to have just the same kind of challenge on Sunday because I don't think Schwartz is going to change. I mean, Slay is his best defender, regardless of how it looked on Monday. Uh, and Devontae Adams is he's the other team's best receiver. So that's probably going to be your that's probably going to be your key matchup. If you if you can't slow down Devontae Adams, you aren't going to beat the Green Bay Packers. Now, the one good thing about it is Slay certainly knows Devontae Adams. I mean, he came from the Lions. He played in Detroit. He's played in that division, so he's matched up against Devontae Adams a lot. Uh, he hadn't really seen very much of DK Metcalf. Uh, well, he certainly knows Devontae Adams, and has actually had some success against him over the years. Um, but it's going to be a challenge, and if they, if Devontae Adams takes this game over, which he's capable of doing, it's going to be a long day for the Eagles. So, uh, not factoring in the play calling aspect, because I, I don't know how much that's going to change what the Eagles are. I think the Eagles are what they are at this point. And I, even though I think that they're going to give effort, as they have shown despite their struggles, they have shown effort in most of their games and the past two losses as well, um, I, I'm at the point where I, I don't think the Eagles are going to have very many competitive scores. Last week was not a competitive score, even though the final score was. That last touchdown was in garbage time. So. Right. I'm at this, and and I'm at the point. Even though the Green Bay Packers, Ray, you say they don't call, force a lot of turnovers, I think the Eagles are the Eagles, and they're going to somehow turn the ball over. So I, I I think that the point total that I have, as at least seven of the points scored by the Packers will come off of a turnover or turnovers. Um, uh, and 17, for some reason, seems to be the Eagles' magic number lately. So I have the Green Bay Packers winning on Sunday, 30 to 17. Ray, what is your prediction and final score? We're pretty close, Dave. Um, I have Green Bay winning 30-20. to 20. Uh, Again, I, I don't think the Green Bay defense is great. I think the Eagles will score a little bit. But, you know, the Packers have scored more than 40 three times this year, and they're average of 31 points a game. Um, and that seems to be their number. You know, we're talking about the fact that the Eagles' number seems to be 17. Green Bay's number seems to be 30. So, works for me. Uh, I'll say 30, and I'll... I'll put in an, an extra field goal for the Eagles and make it 30 to 20. But um, I mean, for the Eagles to to steal this game, um, they're going to have to force turnovers, which is something. It, it, you look at it both ways. I mean, the Eagles aren't a defense that forces many turnovers, and the Packers are a team that don't make many mistakes. I mean, Rodgers has only thrown four interceptions this year, uh, so it doesn't. It to me on on paper, it doesn't look like a game that the Eagles are likely to win. Uh, the odds makers certainly feel that way. I mean, the, the point spread has climbed all week. So, yeah, I'll go 30 to 20. Well, we'll see what happens late Sunday afternoon, Ray, and we'll break it down Monday morning. I appreciate the time as always and have a wonderful weekend. You do the same, David. I'll talk to you on Monday. Talk to you Monday, Ray. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.